Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. I'm Sarah Griffin. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that was important to them when they were young. Uh, this is our first episode at our new home in Tall Tales. Very exciting. It is. Um, very happy to be here. Yeah. Let's not dwell on it. Let's move on. Our guest <laughs> is a freelance writer whose work has appeared in places like Image and Confetti and many other places, Ashton Keenan. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thanks. This is very Ashton. exciting. It's I'm so very great excited. to have you here. Thanks I so met much. Ashton first when we both worked in GameStop in 2000. <laughs> 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 question mark. <laughs> I used to call her store out in swords and be like, a woman's voice? <laughs> Who is this? We were the only two. Yeah. We like, we, we survived it. it. We survived it. We are survivors. There's, yeah, a, there's yeah. a group. We yeah, were yeah. in a group. Yeah. We made through. So it's great to have you here to talk Thank about you. uh, your very important cultural touchstone yes. from the 1990s and noughties. Yeah. Uh, what are you going to talk to us about today? I'm going to talk about friends. Not my friends, friends, <laughs> the show. It started in 1994 and went on till 2004. So it was six. No, I was six when it started. And I don't think I was allowed to watch it at six. Um, no one phoned anyone to report my parents. But I I know I started watching it when I was about 10. And I know I watched it from the start and all the way through. And mm-hmm. I have yet to stop watching it constantly. It was, it's, it's, it's still, it was really important to me as a child for different reasons. And it's still really important to me as an adult and features in my life pretty much every day. Okay, so for the, like maybe one person who doesn't know what Friends is about, okay, what's Friends so, actually about? So, um, I, there, like, I don't think there is. I, I, we were just talking about how, you know, shows get into you by osmosis. Like, mm. I have never watched The Simpsons, but yet I know, I could name the entire family and several characters and I know where they live and I know what jobs they do. But anyway, the um, Friends crew, so there's six of them and they live in Manhattan in um, completely you know, unlikely apartments that they could never afford based on the fact that they work in coffee shops and things like that. Um, rent control, apparently, but I don't know. And the 90s, but also... Mm, yeah, like for, on know, Manhattan Island. For Monica's apartment, it was, like, it was her grandmother's apartment that was rent controlled, so she's like subletting from her grandmother. Yeah, and she was like half unemployed and half a chef sometimes, and then yeah. Rachel worked in a coffee shop and didn't get any tips because she was crap. So mm-hmm. I really don't know how they afforded to live there. But anyway, so there was there's Monica and Ross and their brother and sister, and then there's and, the, and then there's Rachel, who was Monica's friend from school, and they she moves in with Monica. Um, Joey and Chandler lived together across the hall and Chandler was Ross's best friend in college and then Joey is Chandler's roommate and then there's Phoebe who doesn't actually fit really anywhere in she just kind of met them at some point in the earlier 90s mm. um, and they actually address that in like one of the episodes where they say um, you know Phoebe you, you lift right out she does she, she's yeah. not she's not related by blood to anybody and she's mm. not um, she doesn't have any long term connection to any of them but um, she's you know one of the six and I, yeah, I loved it from the get-go because I didn't know this about myself until I started researching, but I love and have a very strong thing for ensemble casts. Mm. Mm-hmm. And a really I good ensemble is like, it's romantic. You can place yourself right in there. Totally. Them. And yeah. you can pick which one you are. Mm. And you can or say, which combination. Which combination? I'm I'm a combination. I'm I'm like half. I'm probably like seventy percent Rachel and thirty percent Monica. There's a very strong part of me that likes organized indoor events, um, <laughs> which Monica is a you know purveyor of. So, um, but yeah, I love ensembles. Like I I growing up loved the Babysitters Club because there was like six or seven of them, and mm-hmm. they all had these really unique individual personalities and traits and things and like it was as a child I think when you're trying to find your own identity you enjoy seeing these really on a plate traits of people you Mm. you enjoy seeing the fact that okay she is this and she does these things because she is this like she is creative and she does these things because she's creative she likes art and her room is very colorful and her hair is purple and then you go well I 
my hair is purple. Maybe I'm creative. And you kind of find, you know, you gravitate towards a person because you're as a child, when you're young, you're trying to find what, what traits you are and what ones mean something to you. Mm. So I like ensembles because they offer you loads and loads of traits and you can, you know, and that's why I like friends because you could pick the best or the worst of each character and say, how does that apply to me? Yeah. Mm. They're like lots of little mirrors. Yeah, totally. You know, it's like, which one kind of mm, am I? Yeah. And as you grow up, that changes, right? Yeah, totally. And you start, as you get older, when you're young, you're just like, I'm, gee, I'm so wonderful. And you only find the good traits. And then as you get older, you're like, oh, I'm a wagon, just like that. <laughs> yeah. And you, you, you pick out the, the negative parts of the people. And yeah, so... I think I always gravitated towards the funny one and not because I think I'm funny just because that's what I wanted to be like Raphael and Turtles and then Chandler and Friends. Mm, it's and aspirational. Then, yeah, and then you realise most people who like Raphael or um, Chandler when they're young turn into Ross and they get older. Oh. <laughs> so I think I'm probably 50-50 Chandler or Ross or 60-40 depending on the day and how much caffeine I've had. Yeah. Like, I, was, I was Michelangelo because he loved pizza. Mm. so that's how basic I was when I was a child I was like which turtle the one that eats pizza all the time <laughs> see I'm a little bit older so pizza didn't come into Ireland until after the turtles happened oh okay. late pizza I think yeah. I'm a late pizza haver yeah. in general I think I was too but I think I was like an aspirational pizza wanter you know I was really mm. like well he has pizza and oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be him that looks like fun yeah. my future. Good. Yeah. although I should have been April O'Neil because you know journalist mm. and amazing jumpsuit and some white boots to be fair gorgeous red hair fab unreal I don't know which ones I am. We're watching it again today. Like it's, it's something that kind of came in and out. It, it was always on the background somewhere. It was always on in somebody's house. It was mm-hmm. always, it's the it's the sort of static background noise to the nineties. Even though I never like technically was allowed to watch it, but if I was in anybody else's houses, it was always on. It was mm-hmm. just similar to the Simpsons. It was just kind of ubiquitous. So watching it today, I was um, and because the episodes that we're gonna I guess talk about are from different points in the series, like mm-hmm. way across the board, um. I feel like that extreme Phoebe Outsider vibes, man. She just is. She's in, not. She's not in a different show, but she's in a different show. Do she you know is. What I mean? Yeah, she's she's in coming at it from a different angle yeah. all the time. Like there's um, she she's just. And she feels like she's a bit older than the others. Like she is older than the mm-hmm. others. Kudra was older than the others. Uh, but she, years, yeah. she feels like she's uh, on the peripherals. And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. She's almost like the observer. She's like, because none of them really. And the thing I found interesting, none of them are really like the fulcrum. Like none of them are the main character. They yeah. all really take their own individual. Like it's really divided equally six ways. And I guess that one of the lovely things actually, and one of the kind of more progressive things I think about Friends was that even in 1994, they still um, negotiated equal salaries for the female characters and the male characters. Yeah. And so I, I don't know any statistics on this, but I can imagine that in 1994 in, in sitcoms, men probably would have been earning more than women. Unless and the f- they came together. Mm. As Unless a, they came together yeah. as a gang, which they did. The, the six friends did. And so I think like, yeah, you know, it's it, it's interesting how the six of them kind of come at, like are, are in the show equally and yet they all have very individual roles to play. And Phoebe is like the observer mm. of the other six. She kind of sees them from a height almost. And it's like she's distended. She's like, things yeah. are happening to her outside of that realm, you know. And yeah. even her interactions are always just a bit, like they're not in a different language, but they feel like they're in a different language. She's the only one who seems to know people outside of them. Yeah, she has her, well. she has friends. She has like a life. The other thing about it from that time is like, that even in the first episode, which I went back and had a look at, um, I tried to watch it from the start when it dropped on Netflix mm. and tried to treat it like a serious, like, I'm going to binge watch Friends and couldn't mm. do it. Okay. Um, because Ross in the early seasons is like so difficult to mm. look at and listen to because he's mm. awful. Mm. But 
the way that the initial episode is set up, right, which is Rachel abandoning her wedding and rolling into the coffee, the coffee shop house, and yeah. upending everyone's lives, but then ultimately bringing everyone together, is that you would imagine that it's Rachel's story. Yes. Yeah, that's the thing. And you it know? ends up not being at all. Not even a little bit. No. Like, it's it's really, it's actually quite unique, I think, how they do divide it equally six ways. Like, there's no one person. Even in an episode, you're not thinking, well, that episode was about Rachel or that episode was about Chandler. Like, it really is. It jumps from story to story. Yeah, like, even the episodes you picked for today. Yeah. I didn't like this. We'll talk about one episode in particular, the, um, the one with the quiz, which is yeah. one of the best sitcom episodes like of anything ever. I ever, think. yeah. But it's also the episode where Phoebe gets pregnant. Yeah. Which I completely <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah. They were both the same episode. Yeah. And it's because, actually called yeah. the one with the embryos. Yeah. And it, everyone refers to it as the one with the quiz. Yeah. yeah but it's the one with the embryos. Mm. And it's actually got a like weirdly sad moment in it as well. The conversation yeah. that Phoebe has with the little... Um, the little dish of, of cells mm. on her own in, is, is kind of devastating. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's really, really sad. Yeah. So interspersed between all of this chaos is like weird moments of tenderness. And of course that would, I guess, happen to somebody like Phoebe because mm. she's always on, she's an orbit of them, yeah. you know? And I felt weirdly compassionate towards her during that episode because the others are kind of capering around being in their mid to late 20s, shouting quiz answers at each other and swapping apartments mm. over. And she's like... I guess if you remove all of the humour from it, which I'm really good at doing, <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of devastating. Yeah. It's like, and, man, and like you're made to have a great time. Surrogacy as well. Like, I surrogacy, mean, Surrogacy fuck? is a big... Yeah. Like that, 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 so that was like series four and that happened in, what, 98? So like, I know when I was, when it was 1998 and I was watching that, I was like, what is a surrogate? Mm. And why is she, how is she having her brother's babies? Yeah. And, you know, seeing the funny side of her brother being like, my sister's going to have my babies. And then also seeing the, what? How does that work? And you know, yeah. as a, as like a small child, being like, interesting. So if you can't have a baby, someone else can help you do that. Isn't that lovely? It's like getting to chat about life via these cast, these yeah. like mad cast of people. Totally. I feel like if you removed the laugh track from Friends, <laughs> it would scan completely differently. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's a it's a it's a weird and kind of oddly gorgeous thing. Really mm. tender moments in it. And those those apartments, man. Oh my god! Because you might have been twenty five and living in an apartment like that. I know. No. So will we go through your episodes from top to tail? Okay. Because they're really good ones. Like, I mean, I could go through every episode <laughs> word by word from one, from season one to season 10. I, I was, I was actually was watching one this morning because you see, I just have them on in the background all the time. Mm. That's it. They're like, uh, they're just background noise. And then if you engage, no matter, you know, you, you can engage at, at any point of an episode and I will laugh out loud. Oh, so oh like, I was double over howling at some of this outside. like and, and no matter how many years, times so yeah, yeah. yeah like I've I've seen I I, don't, I could not possibly count the amount mm. of times I've seen them all um, my husband has them on VHS wow. I have them on DVD we just they're on Netflix now obviously they're the most streamed thing on Netflix in the UK and Ireland um, I say that's because people put them on like in the background, the totally, in the background. Yeah, like yeah, I just yeah. have them on constantly and like you tune in for a second and you laugh and then you go off and do your bits and because it's so familiar mm. you know what you've missed and you know when to come mm. back but I was watching the episode that I have down here, which I think out of the ones I've picked is probably my favourite. It's the one with Rachel's other sister, with Christina Applegate. Oh, she, that's brilliant. She's, she's perfect. Phenomenal. She's, right, she's perfect. She just fits right phenomenal. in. She drops right into the cast. It's oh amazing. Oh my God. And she's she's exactly what you would think Rachel's sister would be. They look, mm. There's actually a family resemblance. And there is. Like, yeah. it's weird. It's so believable. But um, I was watching it. And as I was watching it, from the moment the first line was spoken, I was mouthing along the mm. script. And oh. I know every line. It's like listening to music. Totally, like it's, yeah. and I, got, I actually was starting to judge myself because I was like, maybe if the queen comes over, maybe not even then. And I was like, 
why are you, why are you saying like why are you repeating <laughs> these words to yourself like let Chandler do it it's his, that's his job <laughs> um, but no I just it's so familiar to me like and it's, it's so comforting I think that's why I still mm. love it so much because it makes me feel like when you know when you're 10 and your parents are there and you're sitting on the couch and you're in your home and everything's okay and school hasn't started to bother you yet and people haven't started to bother mm. you yet and everything's lovely when I watch Friends I feel I feel that wash of comfort mm. and just you know, I can really relax when I'm watching it and I can really, you know, the the friends feel like my friends or, you know, it just, it gives me this complete sense of relaxation, um, which is maybe why I've, I, you know, something that I loved so much as a child, I still love yeah. so much now. It's amazing the power that that something can have to transport you so succinctly and how oh gorgeous gosh. it is that we can access it so quickly now. Totally. Like when Friends was made and things for me, for me, that's something like Frasier. You know, yeah, or yeah. I will just stick Fraser on in the background, and mm-hmm. I have the same. I have the same thing where I'm just like me and my fancy Seattle radio friends, you know. <laughs> um, but that same transportation feeling, and that uh, utter relaxation, yeah, like that gift. And I think it's because it's from that particular nexus. You hit it on the head mm. before everything starts to bother you. Yeah, mm. you know those last few quiet <laughs> yeah. nights. Yeah, and I think especially with things like Friends and Fraser and The Simpsons, because when they were big, they were all-encompassing they were like mm, everything yeah. so I remember like I watched I remember watching the very first episode of Friends when it aired on Channel 4 originally wow. and you know, like I used to watch Channel 4 and uh, BBC 2 comedy with my mother every Friday night that was like our thing oh. and she was like out one night and Friends was started and she was like so what was it like I was like it's actually really good this new thing oh, and then I was wow. like in from the start but I remember like it was so big that like um, when it started airing on Network 2 on Monday nights we used to like come in from the road playing watch Friends and then run back out and like shout the last line at each other oh that's, <laughs> that's amazing so cool. it was everywhere it was gi- yeah. like I do remember impossible. being in sixth yeah. class and girls having pencil cases and I wasn't allowed to watch it at that point mm. I was allowed to watch Frasier which is such a strange choice that is odd yeah. <laughs> I, know that, no, I now know that my mother listens to Juvenilia so I'm just like ma'am what what, what? <laughs> which one is more of uh, but that coming to school and people having pencil cases and it people saying hello to yeah. each other for the first time yeah. you like why is everyone like the the language of it catching totally. into our mouths like it it transformed I think a generation yeah. of Irish kids it was definitely the first time I'd ever really heard a, an American accent consistently you mm. know on the television mm. and like what you were saying about it being all encompassing and everywhere was like now even like massive 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 shows like you know Game of Thrones or mm. any of those really huge ones that make all the headlines like they're yeah they're huge but there's the still way. so much other there's so much choice so if you go onto Netflix you can watch whatever you want mm. for mm. hours and you never have to see Game of Thrones or, or any of those other really big ones whereas like you said you know everyone came in and sat in front of the television at the same time like those that 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 kind of experience made Friends a bigger deal than it probably would have been had it been coming out now. Oh for yeah, because like now it can feel like everybody watches like Steven Universe or Stranger Things. But if you just like turn left, absolutely, people have yeah. never heard of it all. But whereas every, you knew everybody was watching, like, Friends. you knew like, everyone was watching it at the same time, yeah. which is so odd. Yeah. You you knew that like if you landline phoned your your pal during Friends, she's not going to answer because she's watching Friends. Like you, yeah. it was almost a weird like you know you knew that everyone was going to be in front of their televisions. That she'll call you back after Friends. After friends. And <laughs> if you miss it, you're probably going to be missing out in the chats the next day, totally. or you'll be on the left mm. of the in jokes. Like but speaking as someone who was on the left of the in jokes and watched all this happening from the sidelines, yeah. I was just like it 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 was an 
stone cold national phenomenon in a mm-hmm. way that I don't know if they predicted yeah. and I don't know if they knew making it then that it would become this vignette like this background noise to these lives of so many different adults they had a feeling so I was reading yeah. Bradley Fair a very good oral history of Friends Whoa. and um, a couple weeks before the first episode aired the director took all of them out to Vegas and gave them each $500 to go out for dinner and went enjoy this because it's the last time you'll be able to go out without getting swarmed for probably the rest of your life and they were like, really? He's like, yeah, pretty sure. Yeah, they, they figured they it like, out. And they like, yeah, no, that's true, actually. Paparazzi are horrible. <laughs> They're yeah. horrible people. But like, that was it. They, they kind of had a feeling. And everybody was auditioning for it as well. Yeah. And I feel like so. Jennifer Aniston is still, like, I guess the others have kind of, not disappeared, but like Jennifer yeah. Aniston still remains this, like, again, it's not a show about Rachel, but mm-hmm. Jennifer Aniston remains this sort of beacon within that mm-hmm. in, at the level of focus that's put on her at yeah. all times. And there's the conversation the media has around her is still a kind of a Rachel story. Totally. Does that make yeah, sense? Totally, yeah. Like, and I, th- I do think, though, like, Rachel, you know, in my opinion, certainly was the best or uh, not Rachel, but uh, Jennifer Aniston mm. was the best actress. Oh, oh she's sure. total. By, yeah, yeah, yeah. By a country mile. Like, like by she was, one, she was locked in on the character. L- so, but she was such, yeah. like, her comic timing. And she's mm. so underrated because a lot of people think of Chandler as the, the funniest yeah. character because he's male. So everyone's mm. like, the men are the funny people here, you know. Whereas Rachel is far funnier than Chandler. Her physical yeah. energy yeah. is like, also she thing, has it nailed. Yeah, like, it's where people think if you're telling jokes you're funny that's the one way to be funny and that's yes. what does, whereas Rachel's funny in all these other ways Rachel's witty yeah. and she has she has a, a fantastic comic timing in in not a one liner way her like rea- it's reaction it's right? reaction yeah. Yeah, her totally. reaction stuff and it is is physically powerful to watch mm-hmm. because she is like a tiny little bird mm-hmm. like fizzing with energy she is very angry yeah like Rachel is fucking raging oh, yeah. all the, the time in the quiz episode her every single line reading she does in that is this, just yeah, 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 it's yeah, amazing yeah. and so high energy it's incredible yeah. so like everybody is on to, like on top form that episode yeah uh, that's the, like, the one episode I would have loved to be in the audience for oh my god I imagine the energy for it I have it dreams yeah. regularly about being in the audience for a recording of Friends mm. yeah. like all the time I dream it all the time Mm, I sometimes dream I once dreamed that I was cleaning Monica's apartment but I have had seriously like vivid (laughs) friends dreams god that apartment is fucking amazing even like the little photo frame around the peephole and the like Irish homes did not fucking look like that in the 1990s it was like looking into when it was looking into a different country but it was like looking into a different realm like whose homes could look like that all Mm. their stuff you know all their nice furniture and the big windows but even like Joey and Chandler's apartment oh the weird dog and they were like oh this is such a horrible apartment and he was like oh is it it's really open plan and spacious and you've got two massive bedrooms <laughs> and you're in Manhattan and, and, and a breakfast bar lads <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean yeah. oh my god to this day I'm obsessed with like kitchen islands and breakfast bars and mm. I know that it's because it's of that friends, counter yeah, that little yeah. piece yeah. of counter has made me be like I, I need a breakfast bar though mm-hmm. and can you put a stool up against it because that's essential you know like there's no way I was having a house without a breakfast bar and, yeah. it, and it makes the space funnier right yeah because the way so much happens w- from people just fucking charging into that apartment yeah. or uh, like there's an episode that we're going to look at at some point I think where, where um, I don't know which one it is it's uh, it's the one where in, uh, everybody know, everybody finds out oh yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, and it's Phoebe's brilliant deeply uncomfortable seduction of Chandler <laughs> and so much of that is that lovely closing doors opening doors that yeah. I, that's what I loved about Fraser was the closed doors open mm. doors thing and it looks like a stage play it's a yeah. is it a farce I think it is yeah, that's it how it be, works yeah. where it's opening doors closing doors and mm-hmm. things are happening out of sight from others and so much brilliant stuff happens of the charging in and out of Chandler and Joey's apartment yeah. people don't charge in and out of Rachel and uh, Monica's apartment as much but I feel like 
that door swinging open and people just belting yeah, into the yeah, room. Yeah. And the breakfast bar being kind of in the way yeah. makes it kind of funnier. I don't know if that's a yeah. visual thing that anybody else picked up, but, but I think the, it's gas. The doors thing is really interesting because so many really, really important things happen between the two doors in, in yeah. the little hallway. Mm. Like hallway. there's so many... The bra and the really, sleeve, right? The bra and the sleeve. Yeah. And then a part, one of the, the episode, one of the, the parts of the episode where um, with Rachel's other sister is Chandler sitting out there on the step and Monica comes out to him, I think, and he's sitting there and he's upset because Ra- uh, Rachel and Ross have said that if Monica dies, he's not going to get to raise the baby. And he's sitting out there and he's really down because mm. they have decided that, you know, he's irresponsible and he's unable to take care of a child and he's out there feeling really bad about himself and there's so many odd like kind of tender quiet moments that they take in the hallway Mm. and there's like relationships begin and end in the hallway like there's breakups that happen out there because that's the space between the two apartments where they know the rest of the people are either in there or in there so we can have private time out here and in an oddly public in a weird yeah Yeah. so it's it's kind of there's a really great bit in and I still that we didn't list down but I think it's actually my favourite episode the one with the two parties Oh yeah, <laughs> where Rachel's parents have split up and they can't be in the same room as each other, and her mother's invited to her birthday, but her father isn't. But he shows up anyway, so they have to show a second party over in the other place oh. and keep them separated from each other. Oh, that's brilliant! But there's a lovely moment where Rachel's just sitting in between in the space in the hall, and her and Chandler are reading a nice topic, just being kids of divorce, and what that's like, and because mm-hmm. he his parents split up when he was a kid, and her's splitting up now, and it's just like this little moment and like he hugs her and then Ross comes out and he just passes her over Whoa. in a hug back to yeah. Ross it's really nice yeah. and also as the uh, thing I used to I honestly rewinded this on the tape over and over again where at the very end because it is it's a this is the purest farce episode because you're like navigating between these two spaces mm-hmm. the second Frasier episode essentially um, and eventually Rachel's mother is out in the hall and the father needs to get from one to the other. Mm-hmm. So the lads just stand behind him and go, ah, 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 and I just dance the whole way across from him. And it is the funniest thing. And then he tries to come back out and Phoebe opens the door for him and the lads just turn around the door and go, ah. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've seen that one. It's, like, yeah. I honestly, I could not stop rewinding that last night. Like just pressing the 10 seconds button on Netflix my wife's like, stop, please stop. Like, nope. It's no, the best bit. It's, it's gorgeous, yeah. isn't it? That but again, funny. the hall is just... It's real important. It's, it's, important, it's almost yeah. like the third apartment in a way. Mm. And there's some some seriously funny things that happen in the hall. Like um, at one point, Rachel is teaching Ben, who's Ross's um, son, to prank Ross. And he's been, she teaches him all these pranks and he does them on his dad the whole way through the episode. And Ross is getting more and more frustrated and embarrassed at all these tricks that the child is playing on him. And so right at the end, um, Ross and the child get this like dummy version of Ross and dress him in the same outfit that Ross is wearing and they go out into the hall and Rachel comes out and she's chasing out Ben out of the room and she says, no, come back, don't do any more pranks. And next thing, the dummy falls down the stairs and Rachel screams and the two of them obviously have a great big laugh about it because they've pranked her and like all of these things happen in the stairwell. Like mm. that, that's not a set, you know, that's not supposed to be a set and yet all these really funny moments happen. Mm in that little tiny space I think it's deadly yeah and then there's the I guess the, the next the, the next of that then is the apartment across the way with the window with the naked guy yeah <laughs> right which then uh, Ross, Ross moves into and that's used as a remarkable space for Ferris as well because you can fucking see mm-hmm. what's what happens between those yeah. spaces even though it's a different building it's connected yeah. by these two windows and the way that that becomes used later on in the series from where how it's used initially which is oh there's a naked guy in the window across mm-hmm. the way and then they use it as a tool through which to reveal uh, Chandler and Monica's yeah. relationship 
twice, twice. in the same episode. Mm. Yeah. And that second reveal is fucking masterful. The first time it's very funny because yeah. it's uh, Phoebe sees them and then Rachel sees them and there's yeah. much screaming and much upset and lots of good humour comes from that. Uh, but when Ross sees it, you don't expect that to happen within the same episode no. and mm. it is used in the exact same way it is in the beginning but it's it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I guess as, as, as sitcoms go and as kind of like that very simple setup. Uh, it's super complicated mm. and really brilliant. Yeah. Like it's real magic stuff. Good apartments. Mm. Good apartments. You really want these apartments. I can I, I can know, tell. Oh my God. But the interior though. So Never mind the comedy. <laughs> but a broken lamp in our living room for like six months, our <laughs> overhead light. It's been, it's been a time. Uh, yeah, definite deep apartment love story. <laughs> oh my god! And Central Park as well, obviously, is the other kind of consistent location, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And I like Central Park. I've, I read somewhere that um, what, the reason they could always get that couch because that that confused me even as a child. Mm. I was like, how do you? You get cannot resist. You can't. You know, this is Manhattan. There's millions of people. There's mm-hmm. no absolute way that couch, that comfortable prime seating location would be free every time they walk into the coffee shop but then I read somewhere that the, the, the like fan theory is that um, Gunther because the Central Park manager is, is love deeply Rachel. love with Rachel and he wants her to always be accessible to him so he he basically tells anyone who sits there well go away because Rachel might be in so yeah. I, that 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 makes me feel that like is a reserve set on it sometimes I think I've sometimes seen it. yeah yeah, yeah. but um, um I also, also read was that the reason that why it's a cafe and why they basically invented people being for coffee yeah. is because they didn't want it to be a bar because because <gasps> James Burroughs had just done Cheers. Oh my god! So I don't want to do another bar show. It can't be in a bar. Yeah. Friends would be fucking different if it was a bar Wouldn't because it? yeah. it's not boozy. There is no. a flashback episode where it is a bar. It is a bar. Yeah, and, and it has to be different table because and like. What Rachel and Chandler nearly have. I don't know, Phoebe and, Phoebe and, and Ross, Ross have sex. On the, the tone would be coffee table, yeah. yeah. Or on the, the pool table. The pool table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That makes so much sense because like something that struck me about it is that especially in the quiz episode or the Embry episode, pardon me, Phoebe. Um, <laughs> they're all really fucking nice to each other. Mm. Like they slag each other and they give each other stick. They love each but other. But somehow, miraculously, these are six people in their late 20s, early 30s who are getting married, having children, having affairs, all this shit. And they're all really nice to each other. And I'm yeah. like, that's fabulism. There's one like, uh, that. directorial choice to make really early on. It's even in the first episode, but they keep it the whole way through. And it's really important is that they show each other laughing at each other's jokes. Oh, wow. So their jokes yeah. are actually for each other, not for an audience. Yeah. So you see Monica like laughing when Chandler does one of his one-liners. Yeah. yeah. But you don't see in other sitcoms back then. They're yeah. doing it for one another. Yeah. They don't just live in like humor world. Yeah. They're entertaining each other. Yeah. And I think, Jesus Christ, that is actually super powerful. And there's so many scenes as well when if you're looking at, if you're watching the actors that are acting, so you're looking at the two that are actually, you know, com- conversing or doing mm. whatever they're doing. If you watch the others that are in view, but not the focus, they are trying so hard not to laugh. They're literally like, you can see their faces mm. contorting because they're like, don't laugh, don't laugh, don't laugh. Because they're, yeah. they're like, we know it's not appropriate for us to laugh at this yeah. moment, you know. And it's so brilliant because the comedy is so good that even the actors are dying to laugh at each other. Yeah. And they've probably done that line 50 times mm. in, that, oh, in yeah. the last 10 minutes, do you know. I heard that the first time they met, and I could be wrong, um, is uh, that lovely fountain sequence, that sort of truly iconic 90s fountain sequence. Mm. Mm. It's the first time they all met each other. 
They filmed that before they filmed the series, yeah. so they had no idea what the characters were going to be. There's no actual relationships in, yes. in that fountain sequence no. at but all. So that's where it all started in that fountain yeah. sequence. And which the is fountain is in, is in the Warner Brothers studio in, in no LA. Way. It's oh. not actually in New York at all. Although oh. it does look like... It could be Central Park. A Central Park yeah. fountain, yeah, but it's not at all. So like, according to that oral history, they spent like all their time together for his first few years. Yeah, they like wow. they were like we're going to be actual friends because that's the only way the show is going to work. So they used to like sit around and play poker and go out to dinner with each other after the shows and stuff and just hang out all the time. You yeah. do so. feel that from it though. Yeah. I think I think you feel that the fact that they actually do care about each other and they're I really mean, physically affectionate with each other. Yeah, they're always like touching yeah. each other's shoulders and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. And in spite of like you know some of the things about fragile kind of masculinity and stuff in it the guys actually are really affectionate to each other and tell each other they love each other oh my god all the time which I think is really cool and um, they're also not afraid to you know there's no um, there's no sexual tension where there shouldn't be sexual tension like as in you know Joey and Phoebe like they play and Joey obviously hits on everybody but there's when they need to be caring and just loving with each other there's no weird boundary that stops them being Mm. open and and, you know there's no kind of does he fancy me maybe he fancies me I don't Mm. know if he fancies me what's this about it's just friendship it's just real pure like there's no question about a friendship you know and that's a really again it's really really uncommon like there are so many other ensemble shows from that time that are like fantastic and built entirely or like I've I've been watching a lot of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia which is the Mm -hmm. anti-friends because everyone makes the wrong and that's why the Christine Applegate episode is fucking perfect because she turns that episode into an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia she brings that hateful energy (laughs) which makes It's Always Sunny go fast what's brilliant about Always Sunny is that they think they're friends oh yeah they they are just uh, appalling to each other at every single turn I know that it makes it quite difficult viewing for lots of folks It's, it's, it's not it's not fucking kind media I'll tell you that much <laughs> it's distinctly unkind media and uh, I go to it for shelter when I am feeling hateful and uh, in fairness everyone it feels like makes the correct choice in every moment mm-hmm. and even when they and that's where to, to their behaviour to each other mm-hmm. they're actively supportive without agenda yes what we are believing or buying into in the in the fantasy of friends is that they are all very good people who mm-hmm. love each other yeah and that is that's the true romance of it yeah. is that somehow there are six people in their mid to late 20s all going through their respective Saturn returns who really love each other and are still friends 10 years later mm. like in spite of all the changes and marriages and babies like they have seven kids between them in the course of the 10 years and it's just Jesus, yeah. yeah like it's just wild how through all of that they didn't drift apart they didn't yeah. you know they didn't fall out with each other for any length of time, really. Um, and yeah, like I remember being, you know, this is going back to me as a child again. Like I think I identified with ensembles because I didn't have an ensemble myself. Yes, like I was a bit of a solo kid and I genuinely didn't see a problem with that as a solo kid. I was quite OK being like, you know, kind of existing by myself and dipping in and out of friendships but never really having a gang or never really feeling like I was in a gang or feeling like anybody kind of um, got me not in a weird way but just I just never really felt welcome in in any kind of you know click yeah no never and so you know seeing those ensembles that were really nice to each other made me think like I kind of felt like okay well there's hope like I could probably be in a gang because they're mm. nice to each other and I just want to be nice to other people so cool like that's achievable for me possible yeah, yeah. I definitely I, feel yeah. the same way where and it's the, like, the, like the babysitter's club and yeah. you know kind of early 
ensembles that I would have identified with I feel like I did that because I didn't have an ensemble of my own and mm. I desperately wanted one yeah. and seeing those helped me feel like I, I had one you know mm. I feel yeah. like I still turn to media for that as well like as somebody who freelances you probably get this yeah. where you might not see another living human one end of the day mm-hmm. to the other yeah. I feel like apparently I like hang out with Shane Dawson now I don't know like yeah. just two of my internet friends I'm just yeah. like I'm just going to put on these internet strangers and listen yeah. to them talk I'm going to put on the McElroy brothers and listen to them talk yeah. like having fictitious um, it's parasocial is the term that I keep using and it sounds really scary but it's not it's what we all do when we watch media alone and we mm-hmm. connect to it is it's it's one way but that's fine yeah actually it's kind of easier if yeah. it's one way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> look at all of these friends I have that I don't have to fucking talk to <laughs> I can just watch them do their thing without any emotional demand on yeah. me whatsoever yeah. it's quite um but yeah, and a part of that is, I guess, esca- it's escapism. It's all mm-hmm. those things that we have are more leaned towards when we're little as well. Mm-hmm. The It's aspirational living. Yeah, yeah. That totally. I could live in, like, I have lived in America with mm-hmm. a bunch of people in an apartment. Mm-hmm. That was shit. <laughs> we did have a great time. But did you have an island? We did not have a fucking kitchen <laughs> island. No, no. We also didn't have seven children. But like we... Uh, like the moments in my adult life that did in some way even slightly mirror these fantasies of American sitcoms mm. felt more powerful because mm. I was like, huh, I would have loved this. Mm. You know, I would have loved this. They're never sustainable in the same way that the, the Friends oh, yeah, thing. It's, yeah. like, it's not it's sustainable. Like certain afternoons are like, this is like something from Friends, but it's not like your actual 20s. It's the it's Muppet no. Show thing again, man. It's the yeah. Muppets where it's a gang of weirdos who somehow managed to love each other through it all. Mm. Yeah. Like that is two weeks. Yeah. It's a month. Yeah, it's an afternoon, and that's really all you kind of want from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the real, I guess, the real amazing fiction of friends is that their schedules sync up so often. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they meet for breakfast before work. Yeah, but they like, do. They take yeah. the piss out of that too because mm. in one of the episodes, um, I can't. They're all sitting in the coffee house, all six of them, and oh, yeah. they're all talking about their jobs and how. I think okay, so Rachel has just gotten fired. Monica is unemployed. Chandler's unemployed. I can't. And they're all just talking about how badly their jobs are going and. They're all like, God, I wonder why. Like, and Joey just goes, maybe it's because you're all sitting around coffee house at 11 o'clock on a Wednesday and they all just jump up and go to work. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a beautiful moment because it's like Joey's taking the piss out of exactly what Mm. we all see as being really weird. Like, why are they all just there available in the morning to have coffee together? Like forever do you mm. know um, and he takes the piss out of it I love it yeah and they're they're also not great at other people outside of their group as well and I'm sure that becomes a thing later on that anytime somebody orbits near them mm. they either eat them up and spit them out or they deflect them entirely they are really cloistered mm-hmm. I have on occasion met groups of people who are all speaking in that same melody mm. and are all clicked yeah. in together in that way which uh, I, I can't handle no. <laughs> uh, I cannot handle it um, I'm sure that is lovely for them <laughs> but whenever I encounter a pre-existing group I'm like yeah. I'm good. Yeah. I'll come in for an episode and leave. Yeah. Uh, so they're dynamic and the rules of the world they live in. So this is what we're kind of picking apart really is that they live in a rural world with a really specific fantastical set of rules that makes it beautiful watching but is true fantasy mm. I guess for viewers. Yeah. Uh, nobody ever manages to break into it. No. Ever. Poor Janice. <laughs> yeah. Fucking poor. They did her bad, man. Poor Janice. Just for Janice. Fine. I was she's fine. <laughs> Janice got married like eight times. She has seven <laughs> different surnames and now she lives in Westchester. Like she's totally fine. I was fucking texting her yesterday. We're in a WhatsApp group. She's, she's fine. fine. I know in fairness though, like I 
I do um, I do this this is going to make me sound really odd I do think where are each of the characters now mm. so I'm thinking Gunther's still running that coffee shop and has fallen in love with some other yeah. um, stunning Ingenue. you know totally um, and continues to dye his hair and then I think that Rachel got off the plane and then said to Ross you you were coming to Paris with me and he went yeah cool okay no bother because I've messed up your life for the last 10 years in so many ways <laughs> that I'm going to let you do the thing you want to do and he goes with her and she you know continues her career because Rachel is a really strong character and I mean that in like she's a strong woman she decides she's going to be fine as a single mother she leaves Barry at the altar in spite of her parents pressure and societal pressure and like she when she's she, 24 she's a baby when totally, she leaves the altar yeah. like that's baller move that's man ball, yeah. plenty of fucking people got married in 24 who were like oh, okay we're just doing this yeah. you know like, like she gets out the window I also got married dress. in 24 sorry that's super creepy but I'm still married and it was awesome <laughs> we didn't have a wedding oh my god shit <laughs> oops no, no, you know what I mean though like, yeah no I know And but this is the thing she does like she's she makes these solid decisions and she really goes after you know she pursues the career that she decides mm. she wants and she um, tells her parents that she doesn't want their the way of life that they prescribe she for her. She turns down their money, right? <clears throat> she does, yeah. yeah. She cr- cr- cuts up the credit cards and she tells her dad that she doesn't want to be a shoe and he doesn't <laughs> get the metaphor. <laughs> he doesn't get the metaphor at all. She's like, Daddy, I don't want to be a hat. And he's like, no, Dad, I don't want you to buy me a hat. I'm saying I am a hat. It's a metaphor, Daddy. <sighs> and she just has this, like, she just has this life planned out for her and she's like, hold on. This isn't what I want. I have... And, like, she gets out, leaves the wedding in a wedding dress, goes to find this friend who, from college, she remembered being sound and remembers that she's living a life in the city that, you know, she aspires to now. And she goes and finds her and just inserts herself into their lives. Mm. And, you know, that's a powerful move as well. Like, that would terrify me, I think, even as a 31 year folks to Monica for taking it. Do you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't think she had a choice. No, I think really that's, <laughs> that's part of what I identify with Rachel. If there's something that I'm I'm vibing, I feel like I want to, you know, do, I'm just going to do it and people are going to have to accept it. <laughs> You're coming with me on this journey or you're fucking Totally. <laughs> so I think Monica was just like, oh yeah, that, that's kind of what's happening now. Cool. Let's mm. let's go. Um, so yeah, Rachel is super powerful and I, I think she does succeed and follow her dreams and brings Ross with her because um, he does try and mess with her so many times. So so deeply throughout the, the, the years. What um, is it about their relationship, man? I don't get it. I still am like, how, what is their, like, the the continuum between the two of them? Well, first of all, he's her lobster. So well, there there's that, yeah, you know. Yeah. That's, um, that's the answer. Yeah. So that's kind of it. <laughs> yeah. no, um, I think, uh, well, I think people love it because it was so, um, will they, won't they for so long? Mm. And then they did and then they didn't and then they fought and then they broke, made up again and that there was just so many ups and downs and, um, as despicable as Ross was and he was awful like if you read if you write down a list of the things that he did to her oh man he should be sectioned never mind like he and I know he did have mental health issues throughout you know a certain period in the not not David Trimmer but Ross um, poor David Trimmer man. <laughs> let's give up our fucker a break yeah. but like he was awful to her and yet everyone really and all really the other women that them. he dated actually totally, consistently totally um, he like yeah he <laughs> they, he was just awful and awful to so many women though he was really really odd with so many women but yet everyone really backed them and then I mean for me their relationship kind of was a constant throughout the show whether it was on or off or breaking or whatever and uh then when they decided for some reason that Rachel and Joey were going to get together mm-hmm. 
I lost all faith in everything I've ever believed and yeah. was so upset for months and I was I was deeply offended. Oh yeah, no, according to that article I read, all the actors were like, what are you what doing? We hate yeah. this as I well. Was, I, so I can't watch, yeah, like, yeah. I can't watch series nine for the most part because mm. I'm so uncomfortable. Like every time they're in a scene together, I'm like, oh, are they going to kiss? This is painful. <laughs> and like I have a real like gut-wrenching reaction mm. to it. Like I'm just like, this how is uncomfortable. How did they address and resolve that? I didn't see, see I, did, see, I know was, this happened, but I haven't seen those ones. Like how did they navigate the anomalous, anomalous kind of nature of that? Like The what? resolution was so bad, right? So ba- I, I think what happened was the writers went, okay, we're nearly at the final season. We've just gotten... Jennifer Aniston on board because initially she didn't want to do season 10 she wanted to finish while they were kind of on a high in mm. season 9 so got her on board and then they had to they had to wrap it up because with, with Joey and Rachel because they knew that the viewers are going to want Ross and Rachel to get back together and if mm. they don't it's like you can't end the show you know so they literally they tried to get Rachel and Joey together physically like they tried to make them sleep together and they went out on a date and they came back and they're Joey's trying to get Rachel's bra off and, and he can't and he's like what what like the source of my powers is gone because bras are his thing and he can get anybody's oh, yeah, I mean, bra he, off he, like, I think he like looks at Phoebe's top he looks at buttons are still on and he just like reaches over at one point and kind of does this and her her top opens and like he's super skilled with women and you know Rachel typically would you know can get any guy she wants and she does throughout you know the series and they try and get together and they can't and what happens is they just sit together on the sofa really quietly and they say you know why can't we do this what's wrong with us and the the decision is made that they're just two good friends mm. um, like they their friendship was too strong to morph into a relationship and they decide that and then they kind of awkwardly tell each other they love each other and like like it was so awkward it's one of those do you know when you're a teenager and your your first boyfriend says I love you and he goes <clears throat> I love you oh and, my gosh and you're like well that's not enunciate because <laughs> otherwise you clearly don't mean it clear your throat boy and Tess look in my eyes so <laughs> Rachel and Joey are sitting on the couch and Rachel's like love you and Joey's like love you too and you're oh. like oh. and it's so like you're just it's so awkward and you compare it's that to so that moment horrific. where uh, Phoebe is like trying to like sex wrangle Chandler into the like that, that awful <laughs> yeah. that brilliant physical execution of all that yeah. and he's like I can't tell my love of Monica yes and the earnestness of that like that's yes. a really br- and then she comes out of the bathroom and, and the fire falls and apart what? and there's yeah. this earnestness mm-hmm. of the oh I thought you two were just banging yeah. and not like yeah, love yeah, yeah. you know yeah. like the earnestness in which uh, especially a character like Chandler yeah. like that's a really great expression to totally. love because yeah. I didn't expect him to say that either no I did not expect that no and it notches everything up and Joey just can't do yeah. Magoo like he's he's mm. he only has the one kind of way of being and that is to be thick and hilarious and say the wrong thing and forget things and he can't that that the, the reason that didn't work is because Joey is had had been so kind of you know funneled into this one way of being and then they were like okay now you're going to be the Ross and he was like but I can't be the Ross I'm not emotional and mm. that's not what my character does and my character doesn't say earnest things and my character doesn't say yeah. I love you and because he said um I took a lot of stuff from this, this article it was very very good um, he said, like very very early on like in the first couple of episodes he was like Joey's going to be like written out because he's one note unless I make a change to him so he went to the writer and said Joey's can hit on any woman except the three girls he's their big brother rules yeah, rules yeah that's the, that's the Brilliant. most important Joey rules he's their big brother so just throw that away 
then and it just it doesn't work yeah because it's completely contrary to everything we know about him exactly so. yeah and he never would and all the way through and even afterwards like do you know that scene where Rachel has just had her baby and she thinks that Joey has proposed to her mm. so basically she's in the hospital room she's just delivered and Ross has an engagement ring in his jacket pocket and Joey accidentally it, it drops on the floor and Joey bends down to get it and turns around and Rachel assumes that Joey is proposing because they had this kind of fling now it had ended but he she assumes he proposes and she says yes because like you know she's probably high on yeah because like, she's, she's just had just a three kid yeah. yeah and then this whole this whole like drama ensues where Ross comes in and they realise that what's happened and but that's so that feels so wrong because Joey Joey is their minder he's like the the lovely person that looks after them and makes sure everyone the, the world isn't isn't hurting his, his good friends and then he it's just it's do we just meet so many of, of Joey's girlfriends throughout the series or are they sort of yeah. mentioned yeah. in passing uh, there's a lot mentioned in passing mm. um, and there's a few that we meet but never in a really serious way Not never in a kind of a long term way like there was no. one you know um, Kristen Davis who plays Charlotte in Sex and the City yeah. she comes in as his um, his love interest briefly and he's the only one ever I think that he really really likes mm. and it turns out so he says to, to they get up the next morning and obviously he slept with her the night before and he says to Rachel, just, you know, fob her off, tell her I'm not interested, tell her I'm a lone wolf. And then he goes off and they fall in love with her and they think she's wonderful and they try and make Joey have a, you know, give it a go. And then he ends up really, really liking her. But she turns around then and tells him that she's a lone wolf and she doesn't want anything serious and she doesn't want a relationship. And it's, she's the only one that you really see any other side of Joey with yeah I mean he had uh, he was with Cathy for a lot of episodes but that was yeah. just as dramatic foiled because Chandler was actually interested and Chandler was obviously much better suited to her as well totally completely yeah, which is Velveteen Patrick Rabbit like yeah yeah yeah. I remember that one oh, yeah, yeah. Um, by heart and Chandler in the box as well which is Chandler like, in the box I was, yeah. I was looking through the episodes last night to find the four you've given us I was yeah. like oh, that one that one that one also, everything I know about Friends seems to have happened in the first six seasons. Okay. I know nothing about the last four, pretty much. Uh, everything I was like, I can't believe that happened that early into Friends. Yeah. Or that, like, they didn't... Chandler and Monica got, end of, got together at the end of season four. Yeah. That's early. Yeah, yeah. they've been yeah. for like six seasons of it. It was Chandler yeah. and Monica, which is wild to me. Yeah. The, and there's a there's a brilliant line actually in one of the ones I feel like we keep saying about the ones you gave us mm. so maybe we should just give them as a list at the end like yeah. these are the ones that we're vaguely these referring to here's your homework yeah. uh, where she's like how did you get so cute which is so odd to watch them being so tender yeah. and he's like well my grandfather was Swedish and my grandmother was a tiny, tiny bunny, bunny. <laughs> yeah. and I was like I feel like I've said that out loud yeah. to people this and I didn't thing. realise that that was where I was you saying you got it there's so many things this is what's terrifying like there is so many it's as if every scene of my life and I'm referring to my life in scenes <laughs> <laughs> we all every, do it's all good every, every moment of my life every day there is a it, there is a direct reference to friends that is completely applicable and mm. there is a quote that goes along with it so there there not a day goes by that I don't say something to my husband to my sister to my parents that is directly a syllable from for syllable uh, a friend's quote like there's so many that I use all the time and there's so many times I've used them in mixed company and you know around people who have never watched friends and who don't like friends and they're like what is she talking about why is she screaming pivot in the corner <laughs> like, what you know what's going on but there's so many iconic ones that people use 
um, who haven't like that who haven't shorthand yeah. Yeah. yeah like the one of um, not touching can't get mad not touching ah, can't get mad yeah. you know that one yes and I don't know what episode that originates from totally. at all yeah. but it's that's that's a part of it that's that or the thing with the wrists I had to ask Kerry what that was yeah. so I feel like everyone did that to each other in my school for like three years and yeah. I was like I do not understand this and I saw them do it very subtly to each other in yeah. the embryo mm. episode yeah. I was like <gasps> That's the thing. Yeah. There's your sound effect. There's your ASMR yeah. for the wrist thing. <laughs> and a duck. Why the... Why, sorry. Why do they have a duck? I had to ask Carrie. He's like, I don't know why they have a duck. Ashley, why do they have a duck? I don't know. They, they never just have, have a they duck. They never explain why they got a chick and a duck. Um, I don't think. But they... they I think... Well, mm, I, no, they, they just... I think Joey arrives home with a chick and a duck. That's just how it because is. Because that's yeah. what happens with Joey, you know. Yeah. It was a lot weirder just, in the early seasons. Like with Ugly Naked Eye and the fact that Ross had a monkey for... Oh, the, the first monkey. season. And the monkey is my least favourite guest star. Can I just... <laughs> like, I know he's an animal, Call but he's, that episode. he's yeah. my he's least favourite. Like, he's cancelled. The fact that Ross had a monkey, and then there was all these really just juvenile jokes about Ross playing with his monkey. Like, mm. that wasn't funny. That's not... That's be, that's beneath the writer's <laughs> room for friends, I think. Like, yeah. I just think the monkey thing was really just wild. But, like... Things that there's so many things that about friends that I reference now. Like I f- say every day, I'm breezy. Oh. About Monica when she is leaving a, a voice message for um, her ex Richard, and she's trying to be casual, and she's like, <laughs> yeah. and she actually says in the message, "I'm breezy." You know, call me back whenever you want because I'm breezy. And the friends are like, "You can't say you're breezy because <laughs> that negates the breezy." And I say that to people all the time. I'm like, you can't say you're cool because that negates the cool. And I, you know, I re- rework it to fit in my life. And um, I like people think I'm funny, but it's not. I'm not. It's because of friends. <laughs> I've, ju- I've just taken the writer's room and I've applied it to my mm. own life. And it's like a template there. for adulthood, right? Totally. Where you feel like you can just superimpose these. Like, I completely feel that. Mm. Uh, I, I feel, yeah, I feel like something just clicked into place massively for what friends is. It is a it's a template for adulthood. It's a template for a particular adult experience, mm-hmm. and um, it's useful and it's warm, and it does come up way more than you think it does. No, yeah, I think I've mentioned this before in another episode, but I think I mentioned it in general. I think it's specifically friends that broke me in this way. That I think all interpersonal problems can be solved within twenty minutes with an ad break. Oh and my after, god! And if they can't be resolved, you're like, oh well, this obviously That's is over. That's it. Yeah. And I think it is specifically friends that did that to me that made me think that way about things. Yeah. Extremely quick conflict similar resolution. Similar to me and Karen, we like when we were much younger and we'd have like an argument about something, and after about twenty minutes, I'd be like, so are we? And she's like, no. What? What are you talking about? I was like, well, and friends said be broken up by. <laughs> But this is the thing, like, you know, conflicts probably shouldn't last longer than 20 minutes. And if they do, you mm. know, it's it's really serious. Like, you know, <laughs> you should be able to wrap things up pretty quickly and just go, are we friends again? It's fine. Don't mm. worry. You know, I feel like it's very shouty also, which mm-hmm. I enjoy. I like um, <laughs> I like uh, my, my husband always says to me, there's only one thing that can consistently make me laugh, which is people doing stupid voices. Don't know what it is. It's just the, it's the easiest thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the secondary um, layer of people mm-hmm. doing stupid voices is um, shouting. OK. And it is very shouting. Yeah, it is yeah. very shouty. Monica shouts a lot. Oh, she's so, mm-hmm. they're so angry yeah. and everything. We're so frustrated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, and especially the, the, the physicality specifically of, of uh, Rachel and Monica is that they are they it, it looks a lot of the time like they can't contain mm. what's going on inside mm. them um, which is uh, amazing and again it's it's sadder that they didn't get more credit for being the funny ones because totally. they're, they're I feel like Chandler does a lot of um, robotic arm movements mm-hmm. and a lot of like I know listeners can't hear this but a lot of sort of elbow to wrist flailing mm-hmm. to make a point yeah. or on the heavy syllables of a word you mm-hmm. know yeah. um, 
But the the women are much better physical actresses. And I there's agree. a lot of uh, good falling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or in the quiz episode where when Phoebe just comes in and sits upside down. Want yeah. that. And also when Rachel says they want to get rid of the duck as well as the rooster, there's always getting the other one riled up and just yeah. this hand movement. Yeah. And the energy that it's just this perfect line reading. It's like she does so many of those that <laughs> are not what anybody else would have done with it. Yeah. It's pure her. The, yeah. At the end of that episode where she comes over to Monica and she goes, You with your steady hand. <laughs> now I'm the one with a steady hand. And her hand is rattling. And I'm just like that. She is brings brilliant. it all the way to her hip and it's still yeah. shaking. It's yeah. still fucking shaking. She's she is so funny like she, mm. I just think Jennifer Aniston has such beautiful timing and mm. she's intelligent with it and the way she the way she like uses inflection and you know she just has a way and I, like it's almost like um when I think about certain quotes of hers or certain lines of hers, the way she says it and the the way when her the way her voice moves through a, a phrase is so perfect and like it's almost like you know when you, you you hear your favorite song and then you hear a live version and you're like well that's a bit wrong and you can hear mm. where everything changes like when when I hear those things being said I hear the up and down of her voice and it's it's almost like listening to my favorite song because like mm. I can hear exactly the way she says the things that she says but it's the way she says them that make them so funny because if anyone else in the show had said it it wouldn't be as as mm. genius and it, like sometimes it's really understated like in in that episode um in series nine where Christina Applegate her sister comes along she so says there's this and this is my favorite Rachel line and that's kind of a big statement for me but they're sitting on the couch and the sister sitting next to to Rachel and they've she's decided and she's in a huff because she's not getting the baby when when Rachel and Ross knock knock die um and Rachel's sitting there and the sister is giving it all like she's you know and very obviously pissed off and she keeps dropping her shoulders oh, she's and she's folding her arms yeah, yeah. and she's you know and Rachel is just kind of looking at her and trying to ignore what she's saying and then Christina Applegate just goes you know what this is typical Rachel and Rachel goes oh yeah Remember in high school when I died and didn't give you my baby? <laughs> and she just, she just delivers this completely dry, like, would you ever shut up? And then she flicks the magazine closed. And you're just like, that is, like, that is beautiful. They're all very good magazine flickers. They love a magazine yeah. flick. Yeah. Gotta bring back, that? gotta, that's more magazines for more theater. You can't do that with a fucking smartphone, guys. You can't just no, be like, flicks, flicks Instagram close. <laughs> <laughs> Leaves their phone down gently so it doesn't yeah. break. <laughs> it's a shame. I don't think they have yeah. to go with them. Yeah. No. It's a shame that like um, TV wasn't rated like regarded as highly as film was back then. That they all felt they had to go into film because yeah. they're all really really great TV Brilliant actors. TV actors. Totally. And I'm not sure if films really worked for them as well. Like, no. Jennifer Aniston had some good films, but mm -hmm. like if she had had like another series or two of something. Do you know what she, she did have. really well though that I don't think the others did? Like I've seen her in films since. Um, <clears throat> particularly um, Horrible Bosses I feel like she was really lovely in Dumplin as well and that too yeah, yeah she yeah. was lovely in that but in in um, Horrible Bosses and then there's a film called We Are the Millers which is a comedy thing where she plays like a mother but um, in both of those what, at the start you're like well there's Rachel but by mm. the end you're like you believe that she's the other character, which I don't think any of the other ones did. I mean, clearly Joey didn't because he starred in a show called Joey. Joey. <laughs> but the rest, you know, when you're watching the whole nine yards, you're watching Chandler interact yeah. with Bruce Willis. You're not watching 
Matthew Perry. It's such a poison chalice, isn't it? To isn't become it? iconic like, in that way. So but I then... think that's what that's what for me kind of proves my theory that Rachel is the best or that Jennifer Aniston is the best actress because she moves on to, to do film and be believable and she is so funny in Horrible Bosses and she's so funny in We Are The Millers and I think but you don't you're not thinking well there's Rachel being hilarious in different contexts you mm. you believe the the new character which I think Although is I think good. Lisa Kudrow had the best has had the best actual career she had the comeback which is mm. one of the best season series ever I think I haven't seen it, but I know that RuPaul is obsessed with it. Yeah, so Sorry. Comeback is about um, this actress who gets a new role in a uh, like a, a basic sitcom like Friends, but she's playing the mother or like a landlord in it. Oh. And then it's kind of her dealing with that as a, and it's a reality show following her around dealing with that. And then 10 years later, they did season two of her trying to get, get back in and doing like a HBO show written Whoa. by the writer of that first one. And it's really referencing metatextual and Lee Scudo's brilliant in it as like this ego monster. And she also wrote in The Opposite of Sex with the Christina Ricci film hmm. where she plays a complete bitch cool. in that. And she plays against type completely and regularly I think as well. Yeah. Which the rest, well Jennifer Aniston is a bit but the rest of them not so much. I haven't seen Courtney Cox in anything. She did Cougar Town. I think Cougar Town, yeah. yeah. Oh God. That wasn't I think, brilliant. I heard it got better that the name let it down. I think the name really yeah. let us down because yeah. everyone was like Cougar Town, but mm-hmm. no, and but it wasn't. You still didn't really believe her as someone other. She still kind of vaguely played Monica in mm. a way, mm. you know. But maybe that's okay. No, like, I think Friends it's fine, is before yeah. the era of prestige television. Do you know? And mm-hmm. like for actors to be sitcom actors wasn't really seen as like it's a day job. It's soap, you know. Mm-hmm. And like that's something again that's brilliant about Friends is that like something that irritates me beyond all reasonable fucking belief is not knowing what's going on. I don't like to be confused. <laughs> very very sensitive. I enjoy understanding my surroundings, but that also means that I find it quite hard just to jump into a series yeah. without any background knowledge. Like there's a lot of things I can't watch because I'm like. Uh-huh. Fucking happening. Mm-hmm. So, friends, you can though, because totally. again, that that uh, template thing, that like omniscient friends is totally just you, you get everything, but uh, it doesn't hold you hostage. No, in the same way that a lot of TV shows do now. Like you can just kind of hop in and out of friends, and there will be micro situations happening on a day to day level, and then one maybe meta story in the background, mm-hmm. but it doesn't give way to its literal situational comedy to big backdrops and big long stories, even though we all know Ross and Rachel are on and off. But mm-hmm. on any given episode you drop in, they could be on or off, but it doesn't matter, yeah. do you know? Yeah. And it, so it doesn't have any hostage holding. No. Um, it doesn't make it any less brilliantly written. I think no. it's probably better written for that. For that yeah. But um, I think that because TV was different then it's before the writer's strike mm. TV mm. was different TV was different before all the uh, screenwriters moved over and started doing prestige shows so like, and well you couldn't write for like a binge watch either you used no. to get people coming oh. back every week every, yeah. week. every episode needed yeah. to be good so they, so they should have never had to transition you know and yet mm. like you know even though they had to get people come back every week <clears throat> they still um, they still managed to make them all individually watchable mm. you know you don't have to watch you would never have to watch like you know when when various TV channels do like the top 20 episodes of Friends and they just pick and choose ones from different seasons mm. you can watch them all individually you don't have to have seen the five before or the five after to get that everything is absolutely hilarious yeah. and you know and it never fails to make me laugh and I think that's part of the comfort because for me like I as a person, my number one favorite thing is to laugh. Like mm. I am so loose with my laughter. Like I will laugh. You don't have to be funny. I'm laughing at you. Like I mm. love wit. I love humor. I love if anything funny happens, it, I'm completely indiscriminate. I will just laugh. I love laugh and I enjoy it. And one of the things that I remember about friends as a child was um, hearing my parents laugh 
from upstairs so I'd be upstairs and I could hear my dad screaming laughing and I think I got my my willingness to laugh from him but he would be downstairs in a heap and my mom would be laughing along with them and hearing that from upstairs just gave me like a like a comfort and even now if I'm upstairs my husband's downstairs and I hear him laugh I think that's just the most wonderful Isn't sound. It actually the most incredible thing it's is hearing someone stunning. you love laugh from a Oh different my God, room. it's my favourite thing. It's I don't know what it is. It's magical. Unbelievable. Yeah. Only I, it happens every, you know, pretty every couple of days. Yeah. Two mm. different rooms, two different people doing two things in two different rooms. And like Carrie will listen to a podcast and I'll hear him laughing. Mm. And I'm like, fuck. Or, it's magical. or he's on his phone or he's like, and I, you can hear him laughing at a yeah. tweet. I'm like, what's the tweet? Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. and I'll get it in my inbox a few <laughs> yeah. minutes later. And yeah. I'll just be like, fuck's sake. Yeah. Like it is actually such a giant gift. It's, and awesome yeah that's amazing and like friends has provided that to me so much because and and this another thing like friends is like a family experience for me like my Mm. parents came around last night after I signed for the the gaff that I just bought they they came around (laughs) a moment in history (laughs) Uh, they came around and we had takeaway and watched friends and like I was telling them that I was going to be on the podcast Mm. and we all sat around and we we frequently do this like at least once a month we'll all sit around and our conversation will evolve to to talk about friends and then we'll all decide and we'll go over it numerous times and never get bored and um, we'll rate our friends from six like the worst up to one our best and we from will, Ross to one from, <laughs> and Ross is my number three oh, really I oh, love I Ross six. and hate yes. Ross so my so I Rachel is, is first mm-hmm. then Chandler then Ross then Phoebe then Joey and then Monica, Monica. Okay. now it's not that I don't absolutely adore Monica. When I say she's my sixth, mm. she's she's I probably prefer her to most people I know in real life. <laughs> but out of the six friends, like I just and I we always go through them and then we have arguments over and we defend our choices. And like my my dad, like, why is Ross your number three? He's so weird and he's this and he's this and he's this. And Joey, is Joey not your number one? And my sister thinks Joey is God. He, she thinks he's so funny. And so we have these arguments and then, you know, we'll talk about um, the like their, their, their individual best moments. So you, my dad will quote, he always quotes Chandler's. He's always like, Chandler's the best because of this line. And it's the one where he says to Joey, Joey, doing something stupid as per and my dad says the line that he loves is where Chandler turns to him and says you have to stop the Q-tip when there's resistance (laughs) and like that line like they're they're, they're so beautiful and so clever and my dad will say Chandler's the funniest because of that and I'll say no Rachel is the funniest because of this and then we'll all say and remember when this happened and remember when this happened and remember this and it's just it's a family thing for me so and like myself, my husband communicates sometimes completely in friends quotes. We'll have an entire conversation that's just in friends quotes. And he quite often ends a conversation with me. If he wants me to stop talking, which happens all the time, he'll say, they were on a break. Oh. <laughs> and I'll still, I'll, 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 I leave the room. I will You're leave the room. I, like, the amount of time, and then I'll walk back in and I'll say, I'm going to divorce you. And, you know, we have, we just, he, he'll say that because he knows it'll get me to the core <laughs> and I'll want to leave and I'll want to not talk to him so it um, is a subculture then like so totally. much of what happens I don't remember who was saying this to me but so much of the conversations and the language of every individual relationship is a subculture it's mm-hmm. a subculture of two right so being able to share that big template and narrow that down into mm-hmm. a separate language yeah. do you know what I mean like the language of friends that you have with your family is one mm-hmm. language the language you, of friends you have with your husband is another language It it's a palette nearly mm-hmm. that you get to kind of paint your life from which is actually such a rare and gorgeous experience to have with a text yeah. you know it's um, 
like kind of weirdly powerful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's dead. So we're like 25 years out from the first episode of Friends now. Wow. So Jesus. how do you... Do you think all of it holds up? Do you think some of it's aged? Or how do you feel about it? Oh, all of it now? Lots of it has aged. Yeah. Some in like hilarious ways and then some of it in really bad, problematic ways. And I was listening to an episode of Juvenilia the other day and problematic was a word that came up a lot. Um, we do, we, we, we throw it out often where it's like, we. I guess it's sort of a disclaimer that we always lash on things mm. from the past where it's like, all of our faves are problematic. Totally. You know, we're they not all have issues. Like they absolutely they yeah. do. Like I don't think I think we're all grown up intelligent, yeah. woke as people. Like none of us are even like as smart about this stuff as we were like we're less oh, sorry. We're all much smarter about this stuff than we were five years ago. To, so to hold something for 25 years ago to the standard we're holding ourselves to you now. You can't be cruel to your childhood self for what no. they loved. You can't. I mean, you can't go back in time and, and yell at your say, kid self for not being woke enough. Like, no. What? And you also can't really yell at them for not being woke enough because at the time they were they were re- reflecting you know the way society was to a certain extent and the mm. way and and real opinions of real people at the time. That's not to say that they weren't completely wrong. But uh, like you know you have to kind of just look at it and accept it for what it was and some of the stuff that has aged poorly like there's some like small things like none of them obviously had mobile phones and a lot of the a lot of the content uh loads of the episodes actually completely revolve around things that would have been solved the not an issue if yeah, it was yeah, yeah. if there was mm. mobile phones like at one point um monica leaves or some chandler rings someone and and the the voice he, joey says oh i got her machine um, or Chandler says, oh, I got a machine. And Joey says, her um, answering machine. And he goes, no, interestingly enough, her leaf blower picked up. <laughs> and like, that's, you know, those kind of... Even the jokes moments, wouldn't exist. The jokes yeah, yeah, wouldn't yeah. exist. And and the whole episode where um, uh, Phyllis and Chester, Phoebe nicknames um, Monica and... or No, yeah, Monica and Chandler, she nicknames them. And she says... Um, they have this thing where they they agreed to meet at the cinema at a certain time and they completely missed each other. And that whole thing, again, that episode revolves around that that dynamic and oh, that yeah, the scene. Smart, the, the smartphone and destroys the smartphone spar- just it, it destroys sparse of totally. any description. Like it, it undercuts and totally. annihilates the form. Yeah. Like, and there's so many beautiful things and, and hilarious messages and things that are left and things that happen on phones that would not have happened, um, you know, in a world of smartphones like... Um, Rachel is going out after she has the baby and she meets someone in a bar and Ross and Mike are having beers together and it's really awkward, you know, that episode yeah. and they're talking about what like, the episode. definition of lager is yeah. and things are about to so get wild. Because like, obviously the writers are like, we should put like Paul Rudd and David Swimmer together because they'd be yeah. amazing and they're like, yeah. but these, what? These characters have nothing to say to each other. Yeah, so yeah, they just lean yeah, into it and, yeah. just, and they just keep calling back into the apartment when he's trying to leave. That's and it. it's just, he has to go back in because yeah. he has to catch the message mm. on the phone. And that, that he wouldn't have had to go back in there if they had smartphones because yeah. Rachel could have just wrung head. And, mm. But, she, you know, he has to go back in and they then the girls arrive home and Ross goes, uh, they're like, how was the night? And Ross is like, yeah, we drank beer and Mike played with the boundaries of social normalcy. <laughs> like, you know, and he, it's just so like that whole episode would not have happened if there were phones. Mm. So that kind of has aged. But in a, I'm so glad, it, you know, that they didn't yeah. have they didn't have phones. But then obviously all of the really bad stuff like the fat Monica jokes and mm. the, oh I absolutely hate it man I find that so it's difficult so yeah. offensive and like, so I think I found it difficult when I was a teenager but I find yeah. it doubly difficult now because I'm yeah. looking at Courtney Cox and just thinking she's like a tiny bird Yeah, she's like a tiny bird and they put her in a fat suit like yeah. that's 
yikes yeah. with a capital Y bad vibes <laughs> yeah. bad vibes so bad it's also it's uh, pretty outrageously homophobic if I can, if I remember yeah. it correctly a lot of gay panic jokes a lot, yeah. of, a lot yeah. of gay panic but also first yeah. lesbian wedding on television that that too so, so like it's kind of progressive and then back you know it's like yeah. once or four two steps back in yeah. some ways and then there's um what's the um yeah the kind of there's a an interesting like fragile masculinity thing happening a lot with Ross and Chandler and interestingly mm. they're the ones that have direct family members who are um, gay and like obviously Chandler's dad is trans and then um, Ross's ex-wife is a lesbian and she's married and whatever and they, you know the, the, yes they have the wedding but Ross is talking about um, at one point he's he's talking about he doesn't want Ben to play with a Barbie doll or oh, something yeah, like yeah. this which yeah. is really you know it's so ridiculous mm-hmm. when you're looking at it but then he's talking about you know don't play with that like that's those are for girls here's a, a G.I. Joe or here's a dinosaur or whatever it is he wants them to play with but then he goes back later so you're thinking oh for God's sake Ross let the child play with whatever he wants to play with he's not you know it's not going to turn him into what you don't want him to become or whatever mm-hmm. but then he goes back later and Ross is talking about how his father put so much you know pressure to be you know in quotes masculine on him and he has this whole conversation about how you know why he feels the way he feels and it kind of it's 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 not you know it doesn't take away from the fact that yes it's completely the way he talks to his son is completely toxic and um whatever but it it kind of explains Ross's perspective on things so while yeah there's lots of issues around it like they, they do address the fact that the characters are flawed. But at the same time, I guess you could... That there's a lot of readings of... Readings of Friends. Mm. <laughs> Whew, readings of Friends <laughs> which queer which query and queer Chandler and like look at his existence mm. and like I think Chandler is trans as a meme mm. uh, and then as an unpacking and an examination of him and the way he handles yeah. homophobia and behaves in these really um, like toxic ways mm-hmm. uh, is rooted somewhere you yeah. know but yeah. again in a 30 minute non-prestige yeah. um, sitcom from the mm. 1990s that's not how it was designed yeah. that's not how it was viewed those aren't the conversations the viewers were having around it we can mm-hmm. look at it now with hindsight and grown-upness and education but um at the time that's not what was going on mm-hmm. so the te- the world moves fast the show is is an, uh, a fixed point mm-hmm. and the world grows from that fixed yeah. point and takes things from it yeah but uh yeah, you got to watch watch real close mm-hmm. now. Yeah. You know, and or it, passively too. I like watching passively a lot if I can, <laughs> if I can dial down sometimes my endless endless rage. Yeah. But uh it's it is important it is important to look at it totally. responsibly yeah. because there are people now watching it for the first time or who won't be able to ever enjoy the caper and the the farce mm-hmm. and the beautiful layout of the apartment because mm-hmm. they are blinded yeah. by how horrific these people are. And blinded by the fact that, you know, six out of six of the lead characters are white and slim and straight mm. and good looking. Mm. Yeah. Like doesn't happen in any friend group does it like yeah. in real life yeah so it's it's fantasy it's it's, 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 it's in fact it's high fantasy. fantasy it's game of thrones <laughs> it actually is like it it's is like, yeah, it's, great. Great. it's sci-fi like it's not real it yeah. doesn't happen and they also have no other friends that's yeah. the other really important thing and the tragedy behind friends is mm-hmm. that they have no like they have a they have a utopic existence mm-hmm. in these two apartments the corridor and the coffee shop but uh they are uh, a snow globe. Mm. Mm. Do you know what I always find really interesting about that, like about them not having any other friends? When they have a party or when oh, they, yeah. have a, these people? When they have a, you know, like Phoebe has her baby shower yeah. and there's all these people and you're like, who are these people and where did you find them and mm. why are they at your baby shower if they're clearly yeah, not like important to you? They 
Phoebe's, Phoebe was homeless. Yeah. This is a whole storyline, you know? Yeah. Like, there's a, there is a lot of, like, if you really want to, like, pull friends apart, like, the intersections of class, like, the reasons that Joey and Phoebe aren't the same as Chandler, Ross, Chandler, Ross Rachel and Monica is because they're not college educated. Mm-hmm. They're, like, coded as, um, like, poorer or different in some way. And, like, there's so much metatextual argument to be made about it as a piece of work because mm-hmm. it's expansive it's huge and it influenced culture so so deeply that being able to actually just look at it and go Jesus that was fucking hilarious mm. feels like such a joy mm. yeah you know to did treasure actually, it did they actually address the income inequality part of it they did, did they? Yeah, they the did. Episode where yeah. they just they kept on organising expensive things for birthdays and trying to split mm. it six ways and like Rachel was a waitress Joy was an actor and Phoebe was a massage therapist they were like we can't afford to do these things that you want to do all the time yeah. and so they they actually, up, that was yeah. a real serious sit down chat like they Again, actually it's one of the first times they did it as well yeah. like in, in TV yeah. they gathered together and they were like look we can't afford to do the things that you do and because mm. they're going I think they're going out for Chandler's birthday and to Hootie and the Blowfish yeah to yeah. Hootie and the Blowfish and yeah. then they have they're like there's a gift and then there's the thing and then and there's, there's the other thing the, yeah. so you know so they have like the, and it's it's um it's funny because when they're at dinner and Rachel uh, they're the you can see you know Monica and, and and Ross and Chandler order whatever off the a la carte menu. And then Rachel takes out the menu and she says, I'll have a uh, side salad. <laughs> and he go, the waiter goes, and what will be that, that be on the side of? And she's like, you know, she's mm. basically ordering, she's ordering like an $8 side salad because she can't afford to do mm. whatever the rest of them are doing. And that whole episode, they it splits the group in two. Um, based on income because three do go to Hootie and the Blowfish and the other three stay at home and it's you know you kind of that's really cool because by the end of the episode then the three that have loads of money really kind of come to understand the other perspective and Mm. it's nice to see that they you know because they wanted to gift them the tickets then at one point and the three of them were like well no we're not just taking your charity Mm. like we don't pity us because we don't earn as much as you like so um, yeah it was it was interesting to see the the two you know, wealth and not so wealthy perspectives. Mm. Which is dope. There's so much in it, isn't mm. there? There's so much, yeah. Like, it's huge. Mm. And it's still funny. Like, it still manages <laughs> yeah. to be gas. Yeah. And like, like it's, it's, it's odd how, like, I just think, I always look at it now and I think they're in Manhattan and there isn't one single person that I can see in this whole scene that is not quite, like, mm. there's even like, they bring in Julie for a while who's Asian. I'm yeah. not sure. Like, and, but that's Sorry, season two, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. that's kind of it then. And then Charlie. In and then Charlie two. right at the end, yeah. 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 Um, and they have a couple of kind of minor characters, like Kristen Lang is the girl that's moving into one of the apartments and Ross and Joey are both dating her. Um, accidentally, they both arranged to date her and she's played by Gabrielle Union. Okay. Um, but like, the fact that we're sitting there and able to kind of name... Oh, yeah, out of like, 10 yeah, years yeah. worth of series the fact that we're able to go Gabrielle Union and Aisha Taylor or Tyler and you know we're able to actually name them is really really poor Fraser Fra- yeah. uh, is very like that as well where mm-hmm. it was just like a complete blanched backdrop so it was news radio like mm-hmm. there was a lot a lot of shows that just uh, Jesus a lot of them actually that just reinforced that again and again mm-hmm. and again I feel like now things are being rectified slowly yeah. and very very gradually yeah. piece by piece Um. TV networks and Netflix and Hulu are doing a, a better job comparatively, <clears throat> but it really shows the disparity and what people weren't paying attention to. Oh okay, yeah, well, like back then uh, there was like black sitcoms and white sitcoms. Oh, well, there was actually yeah, like yeah. a black sitcom about six friends living in New York, I think, that came out like a year before Friends. Well, wow. and I hate that I can't remember the name of it right now. Blank knowledge, <laughs> but there is one, and it is should get more yeah. acknowledgement because it was definitely an influence on it. Yeah. 
yeah. but like even I, I um, have an exhaustive I think list of guest stars actually no it's not exhaustive at all It's but there's tons and tons of guest stars and I'm looking through them all Cole Sprouse is Ben Cole Sprouse is oh Ben oh my god baby yeah. Cole Sprouse I know <laughs> there's so many tiny you know that girl um, Mae Whitman as well oh yeah She's, she plays um, um, there's a little girl that uh, Ross accidentally breaks her leg. Uh, of course he does. On the long list of yeah. Ross's <laughs> crimes. Yeah, he hits her with a tennis racket and breaks her leg and then he has to go selling um, Girl Scout cookies to people to, to get her to go win a trip yeah. to space camp. Um, but there's so, of all of it, like I'm looking at my list here of, um, of guest Hugh stars. Hugh Laurie's in it. Hugh Laurie is mm. in it. He sits on a plane with Rachel. Um, but there's so many and I'm reading here and I'm like there's, this is a page of like 30, 40 people and one of them is a person of colour. Like there's, yeah, yeah. it's insane. And also you, and you can go down to a list and see which ones did better on television and which ones were film actors. Totally, yeah. Like I thought Brad Pitt was really bad on it. I thought he was bad too. Yeah. Oh my God, I thought he totally overacted. Yeah. Like the bit at the start of the episode where he comes in with the, the pie and obviously the joke is, again, uh, you know, fat fat joke or whatever mm. that he used to be overweight and now he comes in with this pie to brings it to, to Thanksgiving and he says it's no sugar no dairy no wheat no good just throw it out and that that line you know they press the canned laughter button but it's actually really overacted and really mm. really poor and I don't think Brad Pitt is a is a a good guest star at all and I think people were fooled into thinking that he was like because he was married star power yeah. star, star power but also the fact that he was married, had just married Jennifer Aniston yeah. so everyone screamed like you can hear the audience screaming mm. bloody murder because he comes onto the set like and then everyone is like willing to laugh at his jokes because and actually, it. because he's, yeah. But like, I think one of the funniest lines of that episode is, is Phoebe, where she's, the, Will is standing up and Will, Brad Pitt's character is Will Colbert. And they had a I Hate Rachel Green club in high school and Ross was the other member. And they're talking about how um, they were in this club or whatever. And Phoebe just says, well, just take off your shirt and tell us. <laughs> like, she has the best line of the episode and yeah. it's just, she, again, it's her taking the piss out of the fact that clearly everyone just fancies Tell us how you really feel. Yeah. 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 Like, it's we just, know why you're here, Brad. It's we know totally, why you're here. And it's, it's, it's like Phoebe taking the piss out of the fact that they got him in because he's eye candy and not, not because he can act, you know. Mm. And I actually really think Brad Pitt is a, a terrible guest star. And equally well, two of the people that you think would be spectacular guest stars Robin Williams and Billy Crystal two of the best comedians like ever they're so good mm. in, in their own right and they're shocking in France they they have like a one minute sketch at the start of an episode and they don't it doesn't actually interact with the group at all really mm. and it's so poor and it's not funny and it's awkward and you're kind of just like I find myself watching that episode now and almost just sitting there waiting for that piece to end so that the the episode yeah. can start yeah. and it's just they're so terrible and they didn't make use of um, their you know their comedy value I guess as much as they mm. could have but that kind of um, speaks to the power of the bottleneck then doesn't it it speaks mm. to the power of the ecosystem and the six characters that anybody out anyone even if they are a tremendous huge Hollywood star that tries to interact with that mm -hmm. it's like the approaching a clique who already know each other really yeah. well or a group mm. or sitting in a bar with a group of friends who are who are friends and you are a person who is adjacent or new to that you you can't get you in. You can't disrupt the pH balance of what's happening there. Yeah. Like, even if you're fucking Robin Williams. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I think generally if you're more famous than them, they, you didn't work on the show. Yeah. It didn't really. It's like, Julia Roberts was good, but Bruce Willis wasn't great Yeah, well. Julia Roberts was, I thought Julia Roberts was fantastic. But yeah. again, hers was just her, she didn't interact with 
the six of them, she just mm. interacted with Chandler and just had that one kind of really funny, you pulled up my skirt in, in grade school joke. Um, and she was good and she's she's a very funny actress herself. So I think it worked quite well. Um, and But Bruce Willis... Bruce Willis was in it for a few episodes, so he kind mm. of almost went beyond like just having a cameo and went into like character. being a character. Mm. And like there was there was moments that were like he was it was as if he was trying to be Bruce Willis instead of being Paul Stevens, yeah. which I think made made him lose it. But then there was pure magic moments as well, where he's in this cabin in the woods and Ross is hiding in the in, uh, in the press or under the bed or something. And Paul Stevens is in the mirror and he's hyping himself up to talk oh, yeah. to Rachel and to go out and he's like obviously gonna, you know, gonna bone her that later that night or whatever. And he's in front of the mirror and he's like, I'm just a love machine and he's like singing and like flexing his muscles yeah, yeah, and like yeah. looking at himself and like checking himself out and Ross sees this and he's like, Oh my god, now I have, you know, ammo, I can like mm. I can totally date your daughter now because I've seen this. But that is I mean I And he pulls that back on him later in this he awful day with Trimmery in a just real a love machine. Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh and, my then, God. and then he, they're like, you know, he, Bruce Willis puts his arm around Ross and is like, I'll show you the guest room. And like, they're, they're friends then because he has something on him. Like, mm. um, But I think that, that moment for Bruce Willis was brilliant. And the rest of the time, he's kind of trying to play himself, mm. which is weird. Um, but yeah, I thought he wasn't a bad guest star. But my favourite is definitely Christina Applegate, who was just spectacular as yeah. Rachel's other sister. Reese Witherspoon plays her other sister, Jill. And I don't think she was great either. Mm. Um, she was a bit um, she's very like they, they kind of overshallow her you know they make her too vapid and too kind of thick and too like oh I'm just here to like look pretty and caricature yeah. not character also yeah, yeah, yeah like she's so just blah, 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 blah. and um, so I think she kind of she's not amazing I think what's powerful about the, the the Applegate moment is that when she kind of walks into Rachel's life Rachel's her baby and has everything set up and mm. the Thanksgiving thing happens and the first thing she wants is the hair wants is the hair straightener, hair straightener she's yeah. like no no we're playing she adjusts the rules of the space to her level mm-hmm. which is in fact almost literally what Rachel did in episode one yes yeah she adjust, mm. she walks into the space, pre-established space and she adjusts the rules to her level yeah uh but by the point where Christine Applegate enters it's like no yeah. like they try they try and resist and then it's like actually fuck this yeah so you can see the sisterhood there yeah. because it's that same arrogance yeah yeah and yeah. that same like no 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 no, no. Mm-hmm. and that's why it's funny and that's why it's powerful yeah. um because it, it it's a it's a mirror nearly yeah. of the first i don't know i think it, it was a mirror of the first one she's 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 a great she's face so funny she's very very funny she's like, so funny in that episode and oh. she's like <laughs> she when they have the fight kind of later in the episode where they um, she you know they're, they're, she's talking about how she's not getting the baby and she's really upset and she says and the, like she says all these things about her um, really mean things um, and then next thing she says and uh, the, like the, the pinnacle of what she's enraged about is she's like and I have a sister who works at Ralph Lauren and I still have to pay retail and she's like outraged that she's not able to access her sister's discount mm. and that's the thing that makes her eyes water and makes her mouth freeze up and, and Rachel's so pushback is, it, is that she thinks it's 35 oh it's 45 45 <laughs> and it's oh it's so small it's and so, so good it's so brilliant it's so good and it's so like th- that for me was a real like sister th- mm. moment like that was a very pure you have a sister oh, you yeah, know yeah. like between two sisters those sorts of digs 
oh, are they, so oof, powerful. Like yeah. they will knock you over. And by <laughs> Rachel saying, oh, it's 45. Like, she loves it. She, she loves, loves it. it. <laughs> and she doesn't, she doesn't care who she hurts. And, you know, she's just getting her 45%. It's so just, petty. Oh, it's, it's so, so petty, petty and so brilliant. small. And then they, they, like, they actually start physically fighting and she... Rachel puts her hands in her hair and goes frizzy 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 and she's like straightening it down in a panic like trying to you know get herself back and oh that whole episode is just so so beautiful like I just think it's it's got loads of tenderness in it as well yeah it's a lovely moment yeah Real good. It's a real nice uh, Saturday morning watch, 10 out of 10. Yeah. Like getting up early to watch uh, Friends and another undisclosed television show from the mm-hmm. 1990s, which we will be talking about in a different episode. <laughs> felt very deeply transportation. I was just like, oh, I could be like, I could be in college. Yeah. I, I could be in school. Like these t- the touchstones and the way that we carry them forward. Uh, oh, it's, it's huge stuff, man. Mm-hmm. And people really still weird. call me crazy plate lady. Oh. <laughs> people call, like, any Who kind gets of... the special plate in your house? I do. <laughs> I won. Yeah. I, would, I, I would deserve the special plate also. Yeah. In that moment, I was like, oh, that's me. Crazy yeah, plate lady. Crazy yeah. plate lady. So is that us for time? I think that's it for us. Yeah. Thank you so much. But pages three, four, and five <laughs> of my notes are still untouched. Ashley, do you have anything to plug? Oh, um, well, actually, because everyone in the universe has a podcast, mm-hmm. um, I am recording mine next week, actually. It's, it's got an Instagram page at the moment and it's got a logo and it's got some music, but it, it has yet to um, reach air. But it's called Private Education and it is about smarter sex and relationships. So it's just going to be about sex and basically, essentially adult sex education, because when you're in school, you know, you don't get you don't get any sex education, really. You certainly don't. You get the, the, the physical, very basic biological stuff, but you don't get, you know, any of the emotional support and you don't get how this sexual encounter might affect the rest of your life or how you view your relationships or how you view your friendships and all that kind of stuff. So it's about sex relationships. It's called Private Education and it's on Instagram as at Private Education Podcast. Perfect. Deadly. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.